So I was trying to do an introduction to musical films, the Underground Film Podcast, I'm Tim, where we look at the connection between the underground in the sense of London's public transport, but also underground culture, underground films. Film historian Dr. Shruti Narayan Swami, do you want to tell our listeners what just happened? Um, I believe Toby Jones just walked past us. Very auspicious. Auspicious, but also that's the end of the show, folks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Point made. <laughs> See these eyes of green? I could stare for a thousand years. Colder than the moon. It's been so long since we made our first musical films about Stockwell, David Bowie's childhood home, and The Man Who Fell to Earth, the 1976 Nicholas Rogue film, that we've had to re-record it, or at least re-record bits of it. And that's why we're back at Stockwell Tube. But if you're listening to music films the first time, welcome. Hello. Uh, We do things a little bit differently. You might be used to podcasts where there are bits of 8-bit nostalgic music, which all sound quite jaunty. uh, what other things the podcasts have usually other than um, hello fresh sponsorships ads for mattresses we haven't got a patreon no. there's no ads no we're not selling you gummy vitamins it's all ambient street sounds and industrial noises all the time we're now walking up the steps rather than using the escalator at Stockwell Tube Station. Would you like some Stockwell Tube Station facts, Shruti Narayan Swami? I would, yes. Well, Stockwell is interesting for many reasons. Perhaps the most important one is it, it is the tube. It's the original tube. So the first subaqueous tunnel that was dug in London was the Rotherhive Tunnel dug by Isambard Brunel. Uh, it was dug by hand and tiled by hand, but it went over time and over budget. So, James Henry Greathead, inventor of the patented Barlow Greathead tunneling shield, oh. then dug a tunnel between the Tower of London and the other side of the Thames. Should we just pause here in uh, the sort of atrium of Stockwell train station? Yes. And do this little intro. So the idea is that we're trying to take you in a kind of real-time journey from Stockwell tube station to 40 Stansfield Road where David Bowie lived. We'll dawdle a bit outside and talk about some of the other interesting architectural and historical features you can see outside Stockwell tube station. Then we'll walk down Stockwell Road, it'll take about 10 minutes. Uh, it won't all be clattering and no. <laughs> street sounds. There'll be some music as well. But the idea is you're kind of walking with us. Yes. So we'll do that for about 10 or 15 minutes, then the real show will start. So if you're listening to this on our sound map on thebeekeepers.com and you've clicked on Stockwell, then you're on this journey with us. Please stick around. You may have found our podcast, uh, Music for Films, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you may have discovered it through an elaborate system of prisms strewn hither and yon throughout the countryside, or by carrier pigeon. I don't fucking know how people have got <laughs> here. Right, okay. They've got here somehow or other. <laughs> sure. So, here we are. Uh, Stockwell Tube Station was the southernmost terminus of the city and south London railway which was the the first proper tube uh, underground railway system. Well, tells you how much smaller the city was, that this was the southernmost terminal. Stockwell was the southernmost terminal, yeah. It wasn't for very long. So uh, Greathead had built this sort of experimental Thames tunnel, and it ran as a very, very short little train journey in this kind of bone rattler um, (laughs) little train. And in fact, if you go to the Tower of London, there's this sort of weird TARDIS... I'll just let this announcement go. We will exercise special care 
because the station is a little bit slippery because it is raining outside. Yes. But it is London. And you know what I always say about London. I like London. boots on in the <laughs> rain. Gossip Deary, dear to me. Uh, sorry, I've digressed again already and we haven't even actually got out the station yet. Uh, yes, if you go to t- the Tower of London and you look for, I think at the moment it's a subway, uh, you know, takeaway outlet, there's this kind of weird TARDIS-like tower uh, with no discernible function. That used to be the entrance to the, the Thames, the right. Thames uh, subway. And it ran as this little kind of train mm. journey that took a minute or two. Mm. You got this little rickety little bone rattler train carriage, travelled for a couple of minutes, um, didn't really work. Uh, one of the reasons it didn't really work was because they had a first and second class system, which meant you went down this windy staircase underground and paid a bit extra to basically just sit in this sort of padded coffin wow. waiting for the working class to get in the train carriage behind you uh, not a very efficient system no. it's a bit like EasyJet now where not people very premium is it people pay for extra to basically just jump the queue and then sit in the plane waiting for the all the, the Morlocks and Knuckle Draggers <laughs> to get on the, the plane so actually you don't gain any time when it came time to build a proper uh, underground railway for London the first train line ran from King William Street, uh, which is near to more uh, to Monument now. The station's gone; it na- it's now been kind of incorporated into all the tunnels for Crossrail, which hasn't opened yet. Famously, it had this sudden right angle right turn when you got across the other side of the Thames after London Bridge, where it just suddenly swerved. Um, but that, that was the northernmost terminus of the, of the CSLR. The southernmost terminus, not for very long, was this station, Stockwell. So this was originally the end of the line. And the tube described the process by which the tunnel was excavated using the patented Barlow Greathead shield. Whereas Brunel, when he built the Rotherhide Tunnel, it was all dug by hand and they tiled it up you know, a, a, you know, not even a foot a day. It went massively over budget and over time. What Greathead managed to do with the first of his tunnels, the second ever subaqueous tunnel to be constructed, the Thames subway, was it came in on budget, on time. So even though the tunnel wasn't a success, mm. they then opened it as a, a walkway. Oh. But that didn't last very long because then Tower Bridge opened. Yes. So rather oh, than paying to right. walk under the Thames, yes. you could walk over the Thames yes. for free. Yes. Uh, now it's just got, uh, I think it's cable and wireless only, it's, it's got cables in it. It was an experiment, but it's an experiment that worked because yes. they were able to dig very fast. And also they were able to dig under the road, which meant they didn't undermine the buildings, um, yes. which had been a big problem with mm. earlier underground systems like mm. the LPD. There was mm. a pneumatic dispatch railway yes. the post office experimented with. But the route for it wasn't very efficient, mm. including because the Duke of Bedford, who I believe owned all the property near the British Museum, didn't want this postal pneumatic. Um, it had no passengers, it had no driver. It was basically just roller skates that fired down a tube with all the mail on it. Um, one of the roller skates, one of the kind of carriages that held the post for the LPDs in the, um, po- the post office museum. Yep, which I look forward to visiting. Yeah, you c- they had a, during the pandemic, there was a video you could watch right. uh, of the, ca- you know, the carriages ride through the bit of tunnel that they've got left. Now, of course, that LPD tunnel, that's connected to the story of the Holden gas explosion, explosion, and that's another story for another day. But I will just set that up. There could be a link there, boys and girls. So this was the end terminus of the CSLR. Uh, originally, the station that was here was designed by ATP Figgis. It was opened in 1890 by 
the Prince of Wales, who later became King Edward VII. Uh, the old station, we're now standing this kind of tiled, fairly generic, perfectly nice, but you know, fairly standard tube station. But the original one was quite like the station that stood at Kennington, had a beautiful mm. domed roof oh. to it. Now, Greathead, there's a statue to him at Cornhill in the city of London, and the statue is over a ventilation shaft. So if anyone goes to look at Greathead's oh. statue in Cornhill, and you look carefully at the plinth, it's got a grill, because it's actually the top of a ventilation oh. shaft. Very often in London, you find that ventilation shafts, because yes. of course you need to get fresh air yes, into the course. tube system, yes, uh, is cleverly disguised. Right. Uh, so Great Heads Memorial, I think rather wonderfully, also has a practical engineering practical function. Anesthetic. Practical and aesthetic. Practical uh, and aesthetic. So that's the, the, the tube part of um, Stockwell. And it's called the tube because it was it's literally built as a tube. <laughs> they drilled out quite a few yards every single day. One of the things that Great Head Shield could do was grout the inside, the lining of the tube as it went along. And then they bolted in these iron sections, which formed a circle, which formed a tube when they were all joined together. The gauge, the diameter of the tunnel, was smaller than the diameter when the whole system was all integrated. And there was a tremendous amount of rebuilding work was done in the 1920s when the whole tube was reintegrated and all these tunnels were dug out again but of course it was quite easy using that tube system to basically just make the hole a bit bigger just dig it out a bit more and make the iron sections yes. slightly wider very very ingenious and very efficient system but that's where the word the tube comes from it comes from James Henry Gatehead a uh, great head it comes from CSLR and, and originally Stockwell where we are now um, it wasn't the end terminus for very long because mm. they extended the line to mm. Clapham Common and Clapham, mm. um, Clapham North. So if you listen ahead in these podcasts, mm. there's one about the company of Wolves yes. where Ross and I go to Clapham Common. Yes. And Ross observes that the, the platform there is sort of like a chameleoid tongue yes. and you feel you're sort of blown about because yes. trains are going both north and south. Yes. That used to be what the platforms downstairs at Stockwell were yes. like, but they've since put walls in. Yeah. But there are two stations that are like the old CSLR, mm. where there's a kind of platform mm. island, uh, Clapham North, Clapham Common. I shall notice this yeah. the next time I'm Yeah, there. and th there's lots of kind of false work and kind of mm. interesting uh, sort of weird tunnels going in out of the ceiling and out of walls and stuff, yes. all over the, the underground yes. system, because it's a constant work in yes. progress. Um, but you can see the kind of fingerprint or the imprint, the kind of fossilised remains of the CSLR are bound up inside yes, the modern underground system. Yes. So, uh, obviously, you know, we're here to talk about David Bowie and the man who fell to earth. But actually, as a starting point for these explorations of London and the underground... Stockwell is a good place to start. Good place to start. Okay, well, should we step outside? Yes. like mirrors in rain Turn the city upside down Liquid pictures Yeah, you, you know you're in South London because there's immediately a cop car rushing around a corner. We're standing outside Stockport Station. Uh, there's been quite a lot of us screaming along in South London. 
You were listening to Bowie's music for the BBC TV series based on Hanif Qureshi's novel. Buddha of Suburbia. Buddha of Suburbia. Uh, very dear to us. We both like that, don't we? Very much so. And the music's very good as well, and there's another South London connection. So, uh, Shruti, I'm sorry, I'm kind of doing a lot of facts and talking a lot, and it's going to be a discussion in a minute, but uh, here's my suggested order of business. I think we should contemplate Stockholm Station and uh, this Monday lunchtime in South London for a moment. Then I think we should walk the 10 minutes up Stockwell Road and hang a right and visit David Bowie's childhood home. That's good. On Stansfield Road. Does that sound like a good idea? So we welcome our listeners joining us on this journey. Uh, If you're not in London and you're not actually listening along on your uh, earphones as we're doing this walk, if you're at home somewhere else and listening on the internet, uh, welcome. Very nice to have you with us. Uh, After we've gone for this little walk, the idea of which is to kind of give you a flavour of South London and what this place is like and talk about the history and talk about uh, a bit to do with the man who fell to earth and Bowie's life up till that point in 1976. Uh, then after that, there'll be a whole show. Uh, we recorded a two-hour show in 2016, so there'll be some of that. Uh, there's some new stuff we've recorded. Mm. So uh, you're going to hear me and Ros Caveney in Bunhill Gardens a couple of days ago. We uh, talked about Bowie and William Blake and John Bunyan and Daniel Defoe and poetry and the pandemic and science fiction and London. Uh, That was very good. So you you can hear that. Then you can hear from five or six years ago, uh, Roz and the uh, wonderful and talented Gabriel Balfe, who we had in the studio back then talking about Bowie's legacy both musically but also in film as an actor Uh, then we've got an interview we did immediately after Bowie's death with Andy Oppenheimer and Jay Maloney who were both very active in the public mourning of Bowie's very sad passing because we recorded the original show right after a couple of days after he died yeah and then to round things off as an extra special treat for this now first music for films. It's actually, I think, the 25th one we've made. But because this is now a kind of reboot or reimagining five years, six years later, a special treat for our listeners, an interview with Jeffrey Ryman, the science fiction author. And he talks about Bowie and the Man Who Fell to Earth and London. So all that to look forward to. So I've set this up as a kind of, you know... uh, uh, light-hearted exploration of London and pop music and films but uh, in the midst of life we are in debt so since we're at Stockwell Tube we now have to walk over here because London and the Tube are also places of danger and very sadly it was at this station that Jean-Charles de Menzies was shot dead by plainclothes police officers oh, in dear. 2005 and oh. people in Stockwell have built this beautiful memorial mm. to Mr Demenzies who was a Brazilian plumber minding his own business mistaken for a terrorist and killed I never knew there's a lot of stuff in this show about memorials yes. yeah. and graves yeah. and death and I don't want to kind of dwell on the morbid and the depressing but it well, I mean, we've had to do uh, a lot more reckoning with death than we would have liked to do in the last couple of years, so it's sort of inevitable. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's happened during the pandemic is a lot of building work. Yes. A lot of shops are shut in, in England and in Scotland where we live. Uh, but people have used the time to kind of rebuild so there's a hope at least that London will come back after Brexit, after the pandemic amazing to think you know, Bowie had no sense that any of this was coming, he's only been dead for six years but so much has changed oh sorry something I forgot to do, okay so we're now outside Stockwell Tube Station and we are walking 
if you're facing south, walking to the left, though actually we're now walking east. Across Binfield Road in South London. So, talking about risk and danger, we're now standing by one of eight deep shelters that were built during World War II for Londoners. So this is a, a very large sort of round concrete structure mm. which has been very beautifully decorated with... And there's immediately there's a film imprint even on this. James Bond. James Bond yeah. right there. Bond's there. And so are soldiers and poppy fields and war. So this was built for Londoners during the Blitz to shelter from the bombs and uh, it had a capacity for 4,000 people to be oh, down here and subsequently they've kept the structure uh, you can but it's kept as a war memorial you can uh, book to visit it or at least you could before the pandemic and it's been decorated by local school children and uh, very beautiful and I think lovely. quite moving but also not too, it's not overly somber or, no, or it's not. No, it's maudlin not. Now, of course, the, the deep shelter at um, Clapham South was where Windrush guys, all the people from Jamaica and all the people from Trinidad on getting on the Windrush and coming here to work on the buses and work on yes. the tube, they were all put up after the war in the 50s in another one of these eight structures, the one in Clapham South. There's not much architecturally to speak of in Stockwell. There are some very nice housing estates, very nice sort of art deco structures. Uh, if people are interested in architecture and happen to be in Stockwell, the only really interesting thing to see is sort of that way. We're now facing back towards Stockwell Tube and I'm pointing some north effectively. About three minutes north of here is um, Stockwell Garage. It was built in 1952. At the time it was the largest unsupported dome uh, structure in Europe. Huh. It was built by, um, the architect was a guy called Bilbo. I believe if you watch the Transport for London film All That Mighty Heart, yes. there is uh, yes. footage of the Stockwell garage. The river glideth at his own sweet will, and all that mighty heart is lying still. time it was built in 1952 which obviously coincides with the festival of Britain this kind of sense of optimism after the war that Britain had won the war which had devastated so much of London including this part of it because I mean what you can see is there's some old Art Deco and Victorian buildings but a lot of it was bombed flat and had, had to be rebuilt I and mean, that's why you needed the bomb shelter uh, there we are Stop uh -huh. my bus carriage. so we're now looking at um, there's a sort of placard here about local history near the War Memorial, so you can come and read this if you want. I won't read the whole thing, but it's got a picture of a Swan Tavern, which used to be a, a local landmark in the 18th century. Uh, Stockwell is named after, uh, there was a manor house, and it was a manor house estate. Okay. And the stock was a tree, the well-known local tree. So yeah, we've got the Swan Tavern, we've got Stockwell Garage, and of course we've got Vincent van Gogh, who lodged in Hackford Road. I did not know that. In that is extraordinary. It's not only Bowie, it's also wow. Van Gogh. <laughs> wow. and, uh, and we can't um, not pay respect to the great, the good Claudia Jones. Yes. Organiser of the Notting Hill uh, Carnival, originally from Trinidad, uh, came here from America, but you know, as part of the great influx of, of people from the Caribbean in the 1950s. And she founded the first black British newspaper, the West Indian Gazette, which was published in Brixton. Respect is due. Blimey. We're still competing with this building noise, yeah. so we're going to walk away in a minute. Yeah. But of course, another thing to mention is John Tradescant's botanical gardens that were here in the 17th century. Tradescant was the royal gardener. 
New species of lilac, mint, daffodil, strawberry and poppy are among the many hundreds of plants wow. he and his son introduced to Britain. Their home of curiosities opened in the 1630s, England's first public museum. Hmm. So, curiouser and curiouser. One of the things about London as a, an acoustic space is phenomenally loud. I mean, I really notice this, we live in a quite sleepy little market town yeah, in Scotland. Yeah, I think that's part of it, really. Yeah, I feel myself very surprised <laughs> by just how loud everything is. So we're here to talk about David Bowie's childhood in Stockwell and Brixton. He lived until he was about six. Are we headed in the direction of his home? We are. We're now walking along Stockwell Road towards Brixton. So we're here to talk about little Bowie, young David Bowie, but we're also here to talk about the 1976 film The Man Who Fell to Earth, directed by Nicholas Rogue, starring David Bowie as Thomas Newton, a Martian who's come to Earth originally to find water because his planet is dying of thirst. Very poignant now when we think yes. about how bad the climate crisis has got since the 70s. And uh, since we recorded this show, not only has Bowie died, but Nicholas Rogue has died. There's a lot of death in this yes. first show, sorry folks. Uh, Bowie's died, Nicholas Rogue has died, Buck Henry who's in it has died. Rip Torn, he's fantastic in that film. Ask me. What? The question you've been wanting to ask ever since we met. Are you Lithuanian? I come from England. Oh, that's not so terrible. Yeah, I mean, Rip Torn's passed away as well. Uh, the main cast member of The Man Who Fell to Earth, who's still with us, is Mary Lou, is Candy Clark. Yes. Who you last saw in, you have seen her actually. Oh. Uh, She's Robert Forster's wife in Twin Peaks The Return. Oh yes, of course. She's a sheriff's wife. Very brief role, but very good. So, I mean, the, you know, the actual physical memories of making the film are also passing away into documents into recorded history. A couple of months after we made the first version of this show, a soundtrack album was released of the music for The Man Who Fell to Earth. I think we should listen to some of it because uh, apart from anything else, while it's we walk really up good. this road, it's really good and I'm not sure our listeners really want to just listen to traffic noise and me yammering on for 10 minutes. First of all, let's talk about what didn't happen. You would have thought that David Bowie one of the biggest rock stars in the world in 1975-76, would do the music for the, for the film mo movie that, he that he's was, a star in. Yes. He did record tracks in LA, and there's this sort of idea that there's a kind of lost Bowie album of the, of the Bowie soundtrack for The Man Who Fell to Earth. The truth is a bit more complicated than that. He did record some tracks, and Nicholas Rogue, he didn't, as far as one can make out, you know, violently reject them he didn't dis dislike them profoundly he just didn't feel they were really quite right and that material seems to have been recycled it's been recycled on low and the, the Berlin trilogy of albums so let's have a listen first of all here is some are Haunting, isn't it? Very much so. 
So two other tracks, I'll just make a little medley of the two of them as we walk along. Subterraneans and Crystal Japan. We're now crossing Sydney Road by Waltham House on the uh, east side of Stockwell Road. I'm walking past what uh, beautiful building. Yeah, an old Truman's pub. Something that survived the Blitz. I like those two tracks. They're very Twin Peaksy. They are. I've not even mentioned Twin Peaks. The um, just crossing the road now. Crystal Japan has got that kind of football whistle theremin yes. sort of UFO landing sound as well, which is a kind of reminder of yes. how strongly influenced Bowie was by a lot of the science fiction novels he read when he was a teenager. And which of course is there in Diamond Dogs. That intro he does to that track, Diamond Dogs, is like a kind of pulp yes, science fiction yes, novel. Yes, absolutely. And it's possible we may hear a bit of that in the proper show that follows this little history walk. So Rogue wasn't too keen on those tracks. So instead he went for uh, so an even more avant-garde and left-field direction with it, which I think is particularly effective. So now there's a medley of music by the Japanese jazz rock composer Stomo Yamashita. His music appears throughout The Man Who Fell to Earth. The two tracks we're going to hear, Poker Dice and Memories of Hiroshima, the first one is the first time he's seen Newton, he's in a small town in America somewhere and there's a convenience store and you know you can imagine the Airstream trailers in the background and what yes. have you. And the second track, Hiroshima Memories, is when Mary Lou, played by Candy Clark, first sees Newton in his Martian form. And it's very shot by it. Thank you. 
the kind of ambience, the sort of sense of claustrophobia of Newton feeling alienated from America and yet sort of, as Bowie says in uh, that cracked actor BBC Omnibus yes. documentary that Alan Yentov made, he's very, very, very thin as he is in The Man Who Fell to Earth. And also, it must be said, very, very augmented by chemicals at that point in his career. I think it's 1975. And they're in this Rolls-Royce with stretch limo. Since you've been in America, you seem to have picked up on a lot of the idioms and themes of American music and American culture. How's that happened? There's a, there's a fly floating around in my milk, and he's put, there's a foreign body in it, you see, and he's getting a lot of milk. That's kind of how I feel. A foreign body here, and I just, I couldn't help but soak it up, it, you know. I hated it when I first came here. I couldn't see any of it. Look, a wax museum. Imagine having a bleeding wax museum out in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Think it'd melt, wouldn't you? <laughs> what made all of this important to you? I mean, with your background, why, why were you intrigued by all of this? Um, it, it was, I mean, it filled a vast expanse of my imagination. I, I was always pretty imaginative. And the, the imagination can dry up in wherever you're living in England often. I mean, if there's nothing to keep it going. It just supplied a need in me. America became a mythland for me. I think every, every kid goes through it eventually. He's soaking it all in. The other composer that Nicholas Rowe got to work on, The Man Who Fell to Earth, was John Phillips from the Mamas and Papas, who wrote California Dreaming. Bit of a surprise direction. And uh, so John Phillips' contribution is a game of two halves, I think we can say. Again, uh, chemicals were involved. He wrote this, which appears on the Universal Music album that was released in late 2016. You can get a double CD of it or a double vinyl album. He recorded this, which was not used, for the film. You want to know what life really was Just as the man who fell to earth Just theme for the man who fell to earth where it's sort of did we land in a bond so it's very bondy isn't it it's you know the man with the genital bump <laughs> octotelis that's a, a bleak reference to the bit where newton's watching lots of televisions very strange but then he also did another very beautiful track Space capsule.
Now, isn't that an amazing track, Shruti? Yes, it is. It's, it's sort of Wendy Carlos in space. <laughs> and given that we're now at Stansfield Road, so we're turning right. Here we are, yeah. Oh, a bit quieter, would you? Yes. We're, um, we're now approaching 40 Stansfield Road, where Bowie lived as a child. Now, there is a public memorial. Uh, we're going to go there in a minute and we're not encouraging the general public to come and pester the I'm sure very lovely people that own this house it's a normal residential street and it's a normal house so actually don't yeah don't <laughs> don't like maybe walk down the street but walk quite fast don't be a creep but don't you know bother them or knock on the door or anything please there is somewhere to go for the public which is the Bay Memorial in Brixton but we're really just kind of walking down here to get a sense of the very sort of normal, pretty, not... It is a very pretty street. Yeah, it's Lots not... Lots of lovely houses. It's not too... No. Up itself, no, the middle class. No. It's also not too chavy and, you know, there isn't... There isn't rubbish everywhere. It's perfectly pleasant. It's a normal place and it's just a way to remember and that... There isn't going to be a blue plaque, I'm guessing. There isn't, Is that no. too early for that? No. It's just to remember that, as we can hear these school kids now back at school after the pandemic, playing and cavorting about, well, young David Bowie ran down these streets in his flannel shorts with his Clark shoes on. <laughs> and here we are at 40 Stansfield Road. I know that Bowie was very influential in your life Yeah. for quite a few years. He grew up in a house with someone who is in a Bowie cover band. Yeah, so my stepdad Nick is yeah. a big Bowie fan, yeah. shall we say. So now that it's been a few years since he's passed on and now that you're back here, um, yeah, what are your feelings? What I feel about it is life goes on and you can hear life going on in the background. People are doing up their houses, kids going yep. back to school. I'm not sure that the London of the 1940s and 1950s when little Bowie ran out of that gate, <laughs> you know, excited about borrowing his mate's Dan Dare comic. Sure. You know, the, yes. the, the Bowie whose blood was quickened by the sound of Mars the God of War mm. as the title music for uh, Quatermass mm. on the television. I don't know what the little Bowie now growing up in London mm. could do to become the Bowie in The Man Who Fell yes. to Earth. I don't know if there's enough kind of slack space, if there's enough mm. bandwidth in London now. It's very expensive. Yes, it is. Um, because of psychological impact of the pandemic and Brexit I don't know that people are really thinking about America as you know this sort of huge vista this mm. sort of huge dreamscape that they can escape into yes they're certainly not thinking about Europe that way no it's sort of like it's a war that we've been in for five or six years mm. which has now become a real war with Russia yes. but in Ukraine British soldiers aren't fighting in Ukraine as they were fighting in World War One on that memorial we just saw. Yes. It's kind of a, it's not a kind of cyber war, it's not a fake war, it's a hybrid war. It has yes. aspects of real violence, but also a implied violence, you know, yes. implied aggression. Yes. And, and the nihilism and the uh, sense of despair, you know, we've only got five yes. years, that's all we've got, that's in a lot of Bowie's records from this period, early to mid 70s, which led into the punk period. Because of course, yes. one of the things so interesting about Bowie is he kind of predicted yes. that no future yes. attitude of the punks. Yes. But I can't see how a little kid growing up now, when they get to be 16 or 17, what's going to be their glam rock? What's going to be I their punk? Uh, and you know, even though you're here, you can literally hear how things are sort of coming back, you know, coming alive again. 
there's still a sense culturally speaking everything feels a bit subdued yeah and not, not in a great way I no. have to say yeah it's a very strange period of time yeah well we were here almost six years ago with Ros uh, right after Bowie had died so should we just listen to a bit of uh, our conversation then sure I've no idea that for the first show we'd be walking down this beautiful little street yeah. looking at these lovely houses and they've all got like real t outside one which where they, they put grey stucco with a crazy paving pattern on it gosh look at that that's like something out of yeah, kind hearts and coronets, isn't it? Yeah. And lace curtains. The point of coming down here, down Stansfield Road, was just to remember the nice little, not not very posh, not very chavvy, gentle little street where he lived. I mean, it's the sort of street where Ealing comedies happen. And of course, we've got many great Ealing comedies. We have indeed. On the map. The Lady Killers. The Lady Killers. Possibly the greatest of them all. Kind Hearts and Coronets. The other, probably, major contender for the greatest of them all. But in what sense is this world of 1947, this kind of post-blitz, post-bombing, bombsite London, the kind of London full of little kids in grey flannel shorts, larking about in gangs, hopping on and off um, buses, that you see in Hue and Cry, yeah. reading Rupert Empty day. Uncle Arthur likes his mummy. Uncle Arthur still reads comics. Uncle Arthur follows Batman. Can we have a bit of hosh play for the next one? It's my favourite. Pushing through the market square, there is so many people who are dying, and the news is over. There are five years left to try it. Skyscrapers sold out. The earth is really dying. I cried so much, my face got wet. I said I knew I wasn't lying. Sidebottom, five years. And before that, you heard some uh, comic capers, me and Ros, six years ago. And uh, we ended our walk six years ago here by the David Bowie Memorial in Brixton at the end of Stockwell Road. And uh, all here the. Here we are again. Here we are again, yeah. The things that people wrote on this painting of David Bowie are now behind protective glass in a proper steel frame. This is now a permanent memorial. It was temporary six years ago, but it's a permanent thing. And people have written their thoughts about David. I think uh, my favorite is just below Rebel Rebel. It says glitter glitter <laughs> with the AH. So this is a proper memorial to Bowie and uh, if you're visiting South London and you want to kind of go to Bowie's special places, sort of sacred sites, um, we would encourage you to come here and not to go to 40 Sandsfield Road. Yes. Uh, I mean the pilgrimage really is an, sorry, is an acoustic one uh, which you've just been with us on, um, but if you wish to sort of physically 
go to somewhere that's connected with Bowie. Uh, come here, opposite Brixton Station. Brixton Station is not on the Scala map uh, with the man who fell to mm. Earth. The film at Brixton on the map is Attack the Block. Oh, Be I mean, well, yeah. Because, because, <laughs> Fair play. because um, Adam and Joe, Joe Cornish, who directed Attack the Block, made the Adam and Joe show, I'm now pointing to Surety, there. Bloody hell. In the room over the body shop. Oh, it's provided hours of entertainment and joy. Oh, certainly so. for me. And also the wonderful career of uh, Jodie Whittaker and John yes, Boyega. Yes, absolutely. So many people in that yes. wonderful film. Fantastic score. Oh Amazing yeah. score by oh Basement yeah. Jacks. Love it. Well, so that was our walk through South London to uh, places known to a young David Bowie. What follows now is an entire edition of Music for Films. So we do very much hope you stick around, but if you uh, choose to part ways with us at this point, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you for walking with us. Change here for National Rail Services. This station has debt-free access. Please remember to take all your personal belongings with you when you leave the train. All change, please. Our podcast is More Music for Films and you can find it on thebeekeepers.com or your podcasting application of choice.